Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. In this week's Adult Bible Studies, we continue our journey through the book of Romans. And we are almost through. This week we've come to Romans chapter 14 and we're dealing with the gray areas in the Christian life. Those areas where God doesn't speak specifically about it. So what do we do? Let's get started. Let's take our Bibles and go to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, as we have been working through studying the book of Romans, a doctrinal book for the church, the early church, and for us still today, we have learned about sin, we've talked about salvation, we've talked about sanctification, how do we live the Christian life after we are saved, we've seen the sovereignty of God and what he's going to do with Israel, and lately in the last few chapters we have been in the, the really the heading of service talking about how we are to serve in relation to ourselves. We, we present our bodies in relation to the church when we talked about the spiritual gifts, in relation to society when we said, we talked last week about uh, not holding grudges and not uh, trying to get revenge, allowing God to do that, in relation to the government, Romans chapter 13. And then today we're going to see how do we live in relation to, in a sense to other believers within the local church. So the church at Rome that Paul was writing to had... A variety of people in there. They had the Jewish believers who came from a very strong kind of legalistic mindset. They had the Gentile believers that came from a very free understanding mindset. Both of these made up the church and um, they at times would be at odds. They'd be at times be, be frustrated with each other. And chapter 14 is one of those chapters that explains to us how do we handle the gray areas in the Bible. There are gray areas, there are difficult areas. I could, in, in, it's, in a teaching a lesson like this in a class setting, and I may do it in a little, in, in somewhat of an opening, but you can talk about, you can bring up gray areas, and in this room right here, when I say a few of these gray areas, some of you are going to be strong against this, and some of you are going to be okay with it. And it's going to be, and so if I were to sit here as a foolish teacher and say, Let's just see whether it's okay or it's wrong. That would be a dumb thing to do, okay? So let's just say a couple of gray areas. Uh, going to the movies. Those old timers, man, they preach against going to the movie theater. Is it wrong or is it right? Some of you right now are thinking, no way I'd ever step foot in movie theater. Some of you just came from the movie theater last night. <laughs> is it right or is it wrong? Then there's principles within that that would make one of those decisions right and one of those wrong. Where, facial hair. Facial hair is something that uh, some people look at and say, whoa, facial hair is wrong. There's people who do that. There's churches that if you wear facial hair, it is dead wrong. You cannot have facial hair and go up on the stage or do anything. There's others that think it's okay. There are churches that you can't wear a color shirt. You have to wear a white shirt if you're going to wear a shirt. Brian McBride, when he's here, will never wear a colored shirt because his pastor is against colored shirts. You know why they're against colored shirts? Because in the 1970s, it was identifying with the rebel group. I understand. I wasn't born in the 1970s. Today, wearing a colored shirt does not identify you with anything. Wearing a rainbow colored shirt would identify you with someone. So there'd be principles of why I wouldn't wear a rainbow colored shirt. But could you wear a rainbow colored shirt and not be in sin? Yeah. But there's a more of identification with wearing a rainbow colored shirt today. So wearing a colored shirt, so some of the pastors from the 1970s still are against colored shirts because they're living in the 1970s. And they're against it. They preach against it. Are they wrong for doing that? 
Yes, but I mean, it's 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 up to them. Wired rim glasses. There's a church when I was pastoring in Michigan. If you had a wired rim glasses, you were you would tell you when you walk in that church, don't wear wired rim glasses because they identify with a certain group. I guess in the '60s and '70s, that no longer is identified. I didn't. I wouldn't know that. I'm an '80s boy. I was born in the '80s. I had no idea, but that pastor was against it, and I remember asking what. Now, those are some things we don't deal with much, but uh, there's more that you could get into. Women wearing pants, right or wrong. Some like to go down that road. Um, oh, man, there's so many of these fun ones we could get into. That, that, but there's all of these areas that it's like, all right, there are, they are something that some people are against, some people are okay with. There's biblical principles that you could use to maybe support both. So what is the answer, and how do you deal with that in a local church? Because in a local church, not everybody's going to be the same. So how do we handle that? Now, we're not talking about salvation right here. Did I say anything about like the doctrine of how, how you get to heaven, salvation, soteriology? I didn't say anything about that. I didn't say anything about the doctrine of the Trinity or the doctrine of the virgin birth. I didn't say anything about that. I mean, there's no wiggle room on those things. Those are doctrines. But whether or not you play cards, my grandpa, Perry, he was always good. if he sees us with a deck of cards, he's like, what are you boys doing playing cards? I'm like, we're playing rummy. We're playing euchre. But he associates cards with gambling. And so he says, what are you doing? Why are you playing cards? And then he always backs off. He, he's soft. He's a teddy bear. He just likes to give it hard. If we wear flip-flops, we're walking around in flip-flops. What are you doing? Showing your toes, boys. And he'd make fun of us all the time growing up. It's just how it is. It's how it will be. My dad, you'll never see him in a pair of shorts. Is he against shorts? No. He'll never see him in a pair of shorts. But yesterday when it was 100 degrees and I was golfing in Illinois and I was at the Cubs game, 100% I was in shorts. Some people, though, would say, guys wearing shorts, wrong. There's a lot of gray areas in life. And we all come, when you're a pastor, it's the worst thing ever. That's what's so great right now about me not being a pastor. I just sit back and say, whatever, not my decision. I don't have to make a decision. When you're a pastor, everybody comes to you with their little pet things. They're like, well, what, what, what do you think? Why are you allowing this? What are you doing this? And you're just like, oh, okay. Here's doctrine. So what do we do with the gray areas? But I will say this on the other side. There are some people that went from a gray area into sin. And there are some people that have went to gray area into legalism. And I will say this. Standards are not wrong. There are things that I don't necessarily think are wrong, but we don't do them in our family. Because it could, get, it could lead us to a place that we don't want to be. So a standard is something you set to protect you from danger. You set a fence around your property and you let your little dog out. The fence is to protect that dog from getting into the road. There's nothing wrong with that dog going the road as long as it's under your control, but you've put that out there to protect it. And so sometimes we put standards in our lives to protect us from getting to a place where we know that it's dangerous. Some people set the standard a little stronger than others. How do we deal with that? We don't judge them. Some people set a standard that they don't watch television at all. Strong standard. But they, are they safe? Yeah. Others set a standard that we do watch television, but we don't watch anything rated R or anything with, uh, with nudity or anything with cuss. Okay, that's a, that's a less standard than this person, but it's still a good standard, and it still protects you. 
Some have a different standard where they'll say, well, we'll watch this as certain things. And that's their standard. Guess what? All of us give an account to God. And that's what we're going to get to in a little bit. So let's take a look. All of that being said, that is what we come to when we come to Romans 14. Now, they're not dealing with TVs or movies or anything like that in Romans 14. In Romans 14, they're dealing with this. Can we eat meat? Now, I think everyone in here has been guilty of that and would upset some of the, the Jewish believers back in the day. But let's see what he says, starting in Romans 14, verse 1. It says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. So, first he says, you need to receive your Christian brother who is weak in faith. What does it mean to be weak in faith? It's someone that has a conscience that condemns him for things that God does not necessarily condemn him for. And in the context of what we're studying, the Jewish believer was the one that had the, was the weak in the faith. They, they struggled with this idea of eating meat. The Gentile over here, he had steak juice all over his lips. I mean, he was eating meat. He didn't care. Uh, and, he, and so he's considered in this context the one stronger in faith. And it can be a little bit deceiving, but the stronger in faith because he understood the liberty he had in Christ and was trusting that. Whereas the other one was setting, uh, setting up, he was just weaker in his faith because he wasn't trusting the fact that they had the liberty that they had. He was, he was oversensitive in that. But he said to receive that one. So the one that was okay with eating the meat, go ahead and receive the one that was against it. Don't be at odds against each other. He says, and don't receive them to doubtful disputations. We don't use those words. It just means to disputes of opinions. Don't just receive them so you can argue with them all day. It does us no good to sit and argue all day about areas that we don't have a definitive answer on. Okay? Now, I do believe if someone asks your opinion... You can help. You can give your opinion. And if they say, I may need some help in this, what do you, we, we, you can't help with that. But we have to be careful in trying to argue and dispute and receiving them just so we can try to argue and fight them to our point. It's got to be a matter of faith. We're going to get to that in the very last verse. So in their case, let's look at verse 2. For one believeth that you may eat all things, another who is weak, so he tells us who he's talking about, eateth herbs, only vegetables. Let him that eateth despise him let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth for god hath received him so here is the here is what he says if you do eat but they don't eat so you have freedom to say i'm free to do this i believe that would be the gentile believer don't look at your jewish brother and despise him don't be, just be like, I can't stand it. I want nothing to do with it. Don't despise him. That's the wrong attitude. Now, the one we always hear about in our modern church is the opposite. And he says the second one, to you that don't eat, don't judge him that does. Okay, that's the one we hear about all the time. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. We hear that all the time. But that's referring to the one that is more sensitive. Don't judge the one that's doing it. And that's true. It's a true point. Hey, don't be judgmental towards them that are doing something you're condemning yourself about. And the other one, don't despise him and say, I'm just done with him. And that happens more than we think, too, in churches that, with the, that may have, uh, you could argue it two ways. You could say higher, less standards, or you could say more freedom, whatever you want to say. There's a lot of despising of the other that happens, too. So he says, in the two things they were talking about, there are a few things. They're going to talk about eating meat versus eating vegetables. They're going to talk about honoring certain days above honoring the same day every day. It's two things that really don't happen in our church today. 
So that's why it's kind of, this lesson, what's difficult about this lesson is none of us struggle with the eating meat. We're all Gentiles that eat meat freely. If you're a vegetarian, then I'm sorry. You just miss out on life. But I mean, you just, that's fine. And so the tempting thing to do in teaching this is to pick one of our modern gray areas and teach it underneath that. But then um, it can get a little sidetracked. So we'll see what I choose to do and all that. But but so he says here, don't receive them to down. Don't receive them just so that you can argue stuff and debate stuff. It's not. It's not fun. It's not. It's not what we're supposed to be doing. It says the strong. They're not to despise the weak, which I already said for being immature in their faith in the sense of not trusting the liberty that they have, but instead um, holding to these certain positions that you cannot eat meat. When even Jesus said you're free to eat. But he says, the weak are not to judge the stronger, which we've already mentioned. And then he gives the reasons why. Let's go to verse number uh, four. He says, first of all, who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master? He standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Well, let's see, how far do I want to go through here? And let's go to verse 9. He says, For none of us, or let's go to verse 6. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord doth he not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, for he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Let's just go to verse 11. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all... Set it not, by the way, is the same Greek word as the word despise. Just so I don't, so in case I forget to come back to that, it's the same word back there. He's saying, So why are you judging? That's the one side, the weaker. Or why are you despising or setting it not? That's the, the one that was stronger, thy brother. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess. Let's stop there for a second. Let me come into my notes. So, reasons why the strong are not to despise the weak. So, those that he's referring to here that were okay to eat the meat, why should they not despise the one that was not okay? And he said a few reasons in this. He says, first of all, both are justified because they're both received of God. No, God loves both. God is not rejecting one over the other. God is receiving both. He loves that Jewish believer who won't eat the meat. He loves that Gentile believer that is in the meat. He says, both are received. So quit fighting about it. Quit arguing with each other. Quit condemning one another. You're despising one and you're judging the other. He says, they're both received of God. Both are living, number two, consciously before God. The brother that does not eat, he genuinely is doing that before God. He genuinely is doing this because he loves God. The one that does eat is genuinely loves God. I think, I think that pastor I referred to that I don't know who he, I know who he is actually. Now that I say that, and I think through it, I know who he is. The pastor that doesn't believe you can wear colored shirts, you have to wear white shirts. I think he genuinely loves God. I think he does, and he can wear his white shirts until he sees God. I genuinely believe he loves God, but I think there's other people that wear colored shirts that genuinely love God too. There's people with facial hair that love God, and there's people without facial hair that love God. 
And so um, I heard one evangelist, Dave Young, who a lot of people in here listen to his podcast, but Dave Young said he grew a beard as an evangelist just because if he went to a church that was against it and they never invited him back, he really didn't want to be there anyways. He said, so I'm wearing a beard just so I can weed out some of the meetings, you know. That's how he believed it. But um, I don't want to quote him on that if he ever listens to my podcast, which he never will. But, uh, just, but that's basically what he said right there. But, but I think both are living consciously before God. And so he says, that's why you shouldn't despise or judge the other. Both are in submission to the Lordship of God. Both genuinely believe that they are submitted to the Lord. And they're trying to submit to the Lord in this. And that's great. This is not someone that's living out in sin and they're just trying to justify it. That's a whole other thing. And there are some people that do that. And that's the danger on this side. And that's what these people over on this side that are, that are strict on it are concerned about on this side. Well, you're just going to go live in sin and say, I have the freedom to do that. No. Listen, we don't have freedom to live in sin. We don't have freedom to justify our sin. The grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. And there are people that use that as an excuse to sin. And it's never an excuse to sin. And so both are, but both are in submission to the Lordship of Christ, 7, 8, and 9. And then both, one day, we read this, will stand before Jesus Christ. They're not going to stand before us, each other, at the judgment seat. Nobody's going to stand before Brad McClure at the judgment seat of Christ. But I've probably in my life made some people feel like they're going to stand before me at the judgment seat of Christ. They're not going to. Everyone, though, will stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. And so that's why he's going to say in a little bit, and I'll read this verse in a minute, we've got to be fully persuaded in our own heart. We've either got to be doing this by faith or not doing this by faith. You've got to be fully persuaded in your own heart in these gray areas. Again, I'm not talking about things that are just sinful. I'm not talking about something that, uh, I mean, just pick a sin, but I mean, we're not saying adultery. Well, you know what? I'm just kind of wavering. It's not that big of a deal. No, it's in the Ten Commandments, okay? It's, you can't, now I say that, I know I'm looking to a crowd that maybe wouldn't do that, but there are people that will do sin and then say it's a Romans 14 area. No, it's not a Romans 14 area. Because there are clear commands in the Word of God that that is wrong. Now, where that gets, and I've got to be careful to get sidetracked, but where that gets difficult is there are, even though there are strong positions on both, and a lot of times people have principles to why they don't do. So the guy, let's say, let's keep a simple one for now just because we don't want to get in the weeds, the colored shirt one, okay? That guy probably is going to use a verse that says, and I just lost the verse in my mind, but said something about not identifying with the wicked. And he, his principle, the why he, what he's going to stand on, and again, I'm assuming for a second, so I'm clarifying that I'm assuming. I don't, I'm not saying I know his argument. But his assumption is probably going to be, he says, we should set, be separate from the wicked, come out from among them and be separate, and I'm, identifying my, I'm not identifying with the wickedness that goes on with that. So he's going to have a verse that he's holding to. But if we sat down and genuinely talked about it, it's a gray area. Because that verse doesn't talk about colored shirts. But you're using a principle from the Bible to set your standard. I'm okay with that. I may not set my standard at the same place that he does, but I like that he's using biblical principles. We were in the car. Ryan was riding with us because it was, it was three teachers. So me, my brother, and Matthew. And then we had Ryan. Maybe a future teacher. Who knows? But uh, 
we were all in the car riding to St. Louis to game and to golf. And so we, the three teachers, were discussing this passage and discussing some little bit hotter topics. I mean, we were bringing some things up. So Ryan's just listening to it. So he already knows this lesson. But we were discussing all these. And the three of us, we have difference of opinions on some of these. And so we were kind of ironing out some, not, not these, but some of our, where we set our lines and stuff. And we were talking through this in a fun way. But I mean, there are, this is everyday stuff because we all go to church together. And so some of us, it's easy to just start to despise or start to judge, but he, but he gives us those principles. God receives us all. We're all to live consciously before God. We're all to submit ourselves to God. And we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So we need to be mindful of that if you are the one, he said, to the strong for the weak. But what are some principles that can govern us? And let's talk about some of those. Let's start in verse 12. He said, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather. Here's what you need to be mindful of that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing in unclean of itself. Get that phrase. That's a big phrase, Paul said. Paul's taking a side here on this issue, by the way. He said, I realize there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy him, destroy not him with the meat for whom Christ died. Now I may want to come back to some other principles, but there's some principles here that I want to talk about. But he says this, first of all, some of these principles. Number one, be willing to give up an activity if it causes a weaker brother to stumble. Be willing to give it up. If someone held the standard that they don't watch movies then I'm not going to invite him to my house to watch a movie. I mean, that would be rude of me. But I need to have, I need to, if they come into my house, I'm not going to all of a sudden now have them in there turn dinner and just turn on a movie real quick. I gotcha. That would not, that would, now that's a foolish illustration, but there's more serious ones. I mean, there's some, there's things that, let me, my grandpa, let's say my grandpa, he likes to pick on us when we used to play cards. All right, I haven't played cards until this weekend, and I haven't played them in forever. But, um, but let's say grandpa was someone that struggled with gambling growing up. Let's say he wasn't. As far as I know, he wasn't. But let's say he struggled with gambling, and so he set a standard saying, no cards in my house. So my playing of, of euchre in his house could cause him to get the itch to get back into gambling. That gambling, that's some argue that's a gray area too in some ways of gambling. But anyways, but gambling is can be addictive. I will not be under the brought under the bondage of others. It is very addictive. When I used to run an addictions ministry, a lot of gambling people came to that. Very addictive in its nature. And so I would not want to do anything that's even going to get him back into the mindset of gambling. If that that's not a true scenario, but I'm just making one up. So I wouldn't even play something as innocent as rummy in his house if that was going to get him into the temptation to play cards and then eventually lead him back to gambling. So I need to set, we need to be mindful, don't be a stumbling block. Don't be a stumbling block for another brother or sister in Christ that's going to lead them to that. He says, you need to be willing to give it up. Don't be a stumbling block to someone else. And then he's going to get into some other verses here. 
Uh, let, me, let me read down. I don't think I got to this verse yet. I think it's important. He said in verse uh, 16, Let not your good be evil spoken of. Then look at verse 17. I think it's the climax verse. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Colored shirts, white shirts. Going to the movies, not going to the movies. Playing cards, not playing cards. Having facial hair, not having facial hair. This or that. The kingdom of heaven is not that. But what is the kingdom of heaven? Righteousness and peace and joy of the Holy Ghost. We get so distracted in our churches today. And to, to be fair in our independent fundamental Baptist churches today, we are probably one of the most strict type of churches out there. And I'm glad for that. But we can get very distracted judging or despising and forget about what is important, the gospel. And so we have to be careful that we are not spending our time. And there's some, but when I say us as independent fundamental, even if independent fundamental Baptists, there's different levels. Okay. Of all the levels of independent fundamental Baptists, we would be the lower of the levels um, that I've been around. Okay. There's some white shirt only levels. Okay. And uh, you're going to see a lot of colored shirts around here. So there's a lot of different levels, even among independent Baptists. So don't take that I'm saying our church is that way. But the, what, I, what I'm saying here is this. We can get so distracted fighting everything that we forget about the truth of the gospel. When I was pastoring in um, Madison, Indiana, we had a couple that came to the church. And when this couple came to the church, um, we sat, I sat down with them and was inviting them, just talking to them and everything. And she asked a question, which is fine, and I'm saying this respectfully, but she said, she worked as a PE teacher. And she said, there are some times, I think she coached as well, she said, I'm going to be coming in late to a Wednesday night service. Or I'm going to come in right on time. And she said, I'm going to have my outfit from PE on still, that wind pants and things like that. She goes, is that going to be a problem? I said, absolutely not. I'm glad you're just coming to church. I mean, let's, I'm glad to have you here, whatever. And she said, and I, but I, I could tell by the way she asked it, she had been hurt. And so I said... I said, yeah, that's fine. She goes, okay. She said, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but she said, I just visited another church, and she named the church, and I knew the church, and I knew the pastor, and I had spoken there before. But she said, it was across the river, because oh, Madison's right on the river, it's over in Kentucky. And she said, that, that um, church I visited in that same scenario on a Wednesday night, and on the Thursday night, that pastor came to visit me, good thing to do. But then she said, when he's there, he said, hey, if you do come back and choose to come, don't wear that outfit that you wore. And it crushed her. Because she said, I was coming from my class, and so I just tried to come to church. And it crushed her. She didn't, and I'll say this, she didn't say it with an evil spirit. She didn't say it with a bad attitude towards them. But it crushed her. And I don't know how that pastor came across. I know of his, of his he would be a white shirt only type of guy. Um, but it crushed her. And I thought in that moment, uh, and I'm thinking now about that as this verse, man, there was a family probably that needed to grow and wanted to be plugged into a church and wanted to hear the, grow in the Word of God. And, and because of, of, of a certain, it wasn't immodest. I, I don't believe modest. I don't believe immodesty is biblical. The Bible says you need to be modest. So we, we can draw a lot. We're not to be showing our bodies off. I can be as strong as I want to be on that. But in that scenario right there, I don't believe 
she did anything wrong. But she got despised and crushed and hurt and didn't go back there. She never ended up staying at ours either, I don't, I don't think, and I don't remember what for, and it wasn't anything like this. Maybe they moved or something. But there was a potential there to drive someone far away from church. We have to be careful of that. And that's what I think about when I think of this verse, that it's not about the meat. It's not all of these things that are you can't really define. It's about the righteousness and peace and the joy of the Holy Ghost. And if you walk out of this class today, though, saying that I'm okay with sin and we should, that's not, I'm not talking about sinful areas. I'm not, I don't think sin is okay. I'm saying there's areas that we, we can have our own stance. That's fine. But don't judge the other. Don't despise the other. And you may be fully persuaded in your own mind. That's what we're going to get to right now. He says, verse 18, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith we may edify one another. We need to follow after things that are going to bring peace. He's not saying be okay with any sin. He's saying don't argue about things that we don't have definitive answers on. Have your own positions, uh, but don't argue on those things. Follow after that which peace. Build up others. Edify others. Be encouraging to others. And, that, and he says, for meat destroyed not the work of God. Eating meat's never going to destroy the work of God. All things are indeed pure, but it is evil that a man who eateth, but is, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. Now, let's going to get into this interesting phrase right now. So let me get, let me try to get to this and get us out of here. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that which he alloweth. Now, verse twenty-three is a crazy verse. Okay. And let me, I don't look at my notes before I get into verse 23. If I missed anything that I wanted to cover, I don't think so. Let's look at verse 23. And he that doubteth, so he that doubteth, I need to make this clear. So he that doubteth that you can wear colored shirts, to use a foolish, not, I don't want to use the word foolish, just a crazy illustration that none of us struggle with, okay? So the person that doubts that he can wear a colored shirt is damned. If he wears a colored shirt. Now think about that. Think about that for a second. Is it okay to wear a colored shirt? Yes. But it's not okay for that guy to wear a colored shirt yet. And if he wears a colored shirt, he's actually damned in his conscience. Why? There's nothing wrong with it. Is that Jew wrong if they eat meat in that moment? Yes. Why? There's nothing wrong with it. God's okay with the Gentile eating meat. Why is it wrong for this person? Because he's not fully persuaded by faith yet. Faith is the key. Weird verse. When I remember when I come across this in college and we were studying and they were teaching, I'm like, this, it, it's, if, to me, it's black and white. Like, if it's okay, then it's okay for everybody. But it's not okay for that guy yet. As he matures in his faith, he may change his position on that. And now he can wear a blue shirt in faith. But in the moment, it's going to condemn his conscience. And anything that condemns our conscience, look what he says. If he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Such a weird verse. Such a, if you can't do it in faith. There are, let me say this, 22-year-old Brad, 22-year-old Brad had some things in my life that I would not do that I do now. Or would not allow that I allow now. 
that if I'd have done it in 22, it would have been a sin in my heart because I didn't, I was again, but now I do it and I don't feel it's sin. Now I'm not talking about drugs or any, getting drunk or I'm not talking about any of those things, but I'm just saying these gray area things. But as I grew and studied the Bible and looked at the principles and thought through some things, some of these things you just are, you just grow up and that's all you know and you hear. It's kind of like an Amish person. Those Amish kids, when they grow up, they think that's normal. Electricity, oh, bad, sinful. Well, it's not bad, sinful. But they don't know. That's all they know. That's all they've been raised in. Their conscience has been set for them. But so in our life, what are you saying in all this lesson, Brad? Because this is a, it's, a, it's, it's not a confusing chapter, but it's a tough chapter because we all get set in our ways. And we just want to look. It's easier to look at the other side and say, you're wrong. And it's easier to get in a car on Sunday and say, can you believe they did this? Can you believe they went here? Can you believe? It's easy to do that. But what he actually says in this principle is, hey, even if there's someone in your church, Rome, that differs on you in some of these areas that God doesn't define detail, love them, pursue peace, edify them, build them up. And if they change to the stronger or what's considered a stronger position later, don't be like, hey, told you so. No, don't do that. Love them, pursue peace, and whatever, to edify. And I think this is an important chapter, and it comes in kind of the category of service because we can't serve God when we're constantly fighting our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so often in churches, we spend so much time with friendly fire that we don't reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're too busy fighting people within our church walls. Thankfully, our church here, I haven't heard a lot of, of, of fighting among our own walls. We're, we're not reaching the gospel. We had a great VBS this last week trying to reach children with the gospel. I think two kids got saved. We praise the Lord for that. But I'm telling you, there are even some things in our VBS that other churches I've been to would say, do not do that. That's wrong. The music, their song, Priceless Treasure. Ryan's been singing it all week while we're golfing and stuff. All weekend, he's been singing about this priceless treasure we, he heard at VBS all week. But I've been in some churches that would say that, that, that music that we use for VBS is wrong. Okay. And guess what? Those are good churches. And those churches changed my life in a great way. So people that I highly respect, highly respect. But they would do VBS different. Guess what? VBS isn't in the Bible. Some of those principles on music are not in the Bible. So what do we do with that? I love this guy and I love this church. And guess what we do? We just serve and two kids got saved. And I rejoice in the fact that two kids got saved. So Romans 14, study it out yourself. But here's the thing. Be fully persuaded in your mind. There's nothing wrong with you having standards in your life and being strict in some things. That's good. It's going to protect you. But if there's some freedom in something, that's fine as well. But don't flaunt it in the face of others. And make sure you're not using that as an excuse to sin. Because be sure your sin will find you out. It will catch up. The consequences do come. So we have to examine our hearts. We just have to, we have to talk with God about certain things. Why do you do what you do? What are the principles in the Bible for why you do what you do? And are there principles on the other side? Then maybe it's freedom to do it. Maybe you're not. But protect your heart. Because the most important thing is your relationship with God. And if this is something you're doing is causing you to, it's hindering your relationship with God, stop it. Cut it out. Even if it's not necessarily a sin, sinfully defined thing in the Scripture.